John chapter 21 for our lesson. We just have really two more lessons in the life of Peter. And I've been, I don't know about you, but I have enjoyed these lessons on Peter. Uh, they relate to me so much. And so we want to continue. And today's lesson is a lesson on restoration. A lesson on restoration. You know, I, I, over the years, I've, uh, how many of you have ever owned what I would call a clunker? You know what I'm talking about? And uh, sometimes, it, you know, now it, it costs money and, and a lot of sweat and, and a lot of time sometimes to restore something. But listen, when you do, it's, it's, you look at it and you're like, wow, that was worth it. I'm, I'm glad that I, I, I restored that. You know, sometimes I found that a good, whack, a good coat of wax will actually bring a car back to life. Look at these folks. Welcome to church. This is uh, Brother Gabriel and his wife, Marie. And Brother Gabriel has uh, been going through uh, some amazing treatments. It is so good to see you guys this morning. Walk in there. I thought it was two angels walking through the door. Good to, good to see you folks. We've been praying for you guys. By the way, happy birthday this week. Yeah, he's got, he's got a birthday this week, and so I wanted to get you. I didn't know if I'd get a chance to give this to you in person. I thought I might have to bring it to your house. <laughs> he came for the Snickers bar. All right. <laughs> okay, well, good to see the Smiths this morning. What a blessing. That right there is worth coming to church for, okay? Well, today's lesson is on restoration, and so if you have your Bibles, we're going to spend a lot of our time in John chapter 21. But this passage, as I look at it this morning, it's a passage that I believe is a perfect example of how, listen, how we, how we should deal with others. Because who do, who do you think is the greatest example for us to follow? Yeah, the Lord Jesus, right? So in this passage today, we're going to look at how he dealt with Peter, which again gives us the example to follow his steps, to deal with others the exact same way that Jesus dealt with Peter. Because I know this, how many of you have learned there are always, uh, there's always going to be circumstances for disobedience, right? The Bible says the wages of sin, right? Does anybody know the rest of the verse? The wages of sin is death. And we, we know, look, if you go back to Adam and Eve, here's what you find is, did listen now this morning in Sunday school, did Adam and Eve die the day that they ate the fruit? No, but they were separated from God. So see, that's what happens is the Bible says that our iniquities, our sins have separated us from our God. There's always circumstances uh, for disobeying God. And even when we mess up, the best part, and that's what the lesson is about today, is when we mess up, when we make a mess out of things, the Lord will pick us up and he will gently restore us. And here's why, because he loves us. Because remember, God's love is an unconditional love. God loves us. Now, God doesn't love the sin. God doesn't love it when we disobey. But I'm always glad that the Lord is willing to help me up and God has given us his word. And the Bible is wonderful because here's why, it keeps us safe. There's a verse in the Bible that has become dear to me over the years. It says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against thee, right? So we need God's word in our hearts. And you think about how many, and, and I know you have to kind of put this together, but Jesus, who was the living word, 
Jesus had given so much of his words to Peter and the other disciples, and he had shared his word with them. Why? Because he knew that it was good for them. That's why every one of us need to be in the Word of God day in and day out, because we need God's Word so that we won't sin against Him, disobey Him. And and for Peter, Jesus actually restores Peter by using His Word. And here's the best part is He restored Peter back to fellowship. Now, do you remember what we studied last time, how Peter, he denied the Lord, he forsook the Lord? And can you, can you even imagine, and maybe it's happened that way in your life at, at one point in time where you felt like because of something you did that you were away from God, but aren't you glad that because of God's wonderful working and His grace and mercy that you can find your way back to God, in other words, back into fellowship with God? And that's what the lesson is about today is, is it, look, where there was once doubt in Peter's heart, there's now delight. Where there was once failure, there now would be victory. And that's where we need to be in our lives. Christians need to live a victorious life. And so this morning, I want you to see three elements on this lesson of restoration. Notice the first one is the word futility. Futility. In other words, these men, they ventured away from God. Remember, Peter says, I'm going to go fishing And remember, he didn't go fishing by himself. Other people went with him. And as they went fishing, guess what happened? They caught nothing. Uh, They were not successful. There were no results. Look, can I tell you that you and I, when we're away from God, there's never going to be the kind of results in our life that God desires for us. We need to find our way back to the Lord. See, the disciples here As you look in John 21, they were defeated, they were discouraged, and they were hungry. Those are three bad things in their life. Look what it says in chapter 21 of John in verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise, or this is how it happened, how he showed himself, there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. So you can tell how many of these men, now that Jesus had been crucified, that he had given his life, that they went back to their old life. I mean, the the gang's all back together again. And the Bible says in verse 3, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing, and they say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught what? Yeah. Now, they had been away from fishing. Remember, Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of what? Fishers of men. But see, they had been away from the Lord, and you know they're probably thinking to themselves, oh my goodness, I forgot everything I knew about fishing. Can I tell you, Jeff, that fishing is kind of like riding a bicycle. You just need to grab the pole, and it all comes back to you, right? Uh, but the thing is, is that they didn't have depth finders in this day. They didn't have all the little gadgetries. Uh, But I'll tell you this, they spent so much time on that body of water, which, by the way, the Sea of Tiberias is the Sea of Galilee. They had spent so much time that they knew back in the day before Jesus, uh, before they had gone off with the Lord, they knew where all those little uh, honey, what do they call those, honey, honey holes are. Yeah, little sweet spots, whatever you want to call them. 
But here they are, they're out there and they caught nothing. Now look what the Bible says as we continue. It says that uh, in verse number four, but when the morning was come, uh, now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, here he is on the shore, they're in the boat. Children, have ye any meat? And they said unto him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship. See, that's the problem. They were fishing on the left side. You know, it's always on the right, you know. And they're, they're fishing on the wrong side. And so he says, if you cast on the right side of the ship, you shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it uh, for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved. Anybody know who that is? John, right? The one who's, we're actually reading the gospel according to John, and it's interesting because he writes under inspiration, so it would have been kind of weird for John to write those words, but that's what God had him write here. It says that the, the disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. Now, that's, a, that's an interesting way to fish, Brother Jeff. I'll just, I'll just say that and move on, all right? And so, verse number eight. The other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. They caught so much because instead of fishing on the left, they started fishing on the right, okay? So I want you to think about this because here they were. They were out there all night. They had caught nothing. Their efforts were futile. I mean, by the way, when we try to do things in and of our own strength, oftentimes nothing is ever going to be accomplished. They were discouraged. They were defeated. They were hungry. He says, do you have any meat? Nope, we don't have any. But notice here that their master, as Jesus was gone from the scene in their lives, they went fishing. And that they went back to what they thought they knew, but their best efforts came up empty. I mean, you know, you would have thought, okay, well, we're not catching anything over here. Maybe let's try it over here. But they just kept trying that same old spot. Can I tell you in your life, and I think this is true, that when we are like they were, defeated, weary, worn down, that when we are that way, we need to be very careful about allowing Satan to get a victory in our lives. And there's two things about this futility that they experienced. Notice, first of all, that they were faithless. Look down in verse 14 of this, of this chapter. The Bible says, now this is the, how many times? Third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was what? Risen. So this wasn't the first time. It wasn't the second time. It was now the third time that Jesus showed himself alive to his disciples. Uh, see, these, these were men that had surrendered to follow Jesus. But instead of following the Lord, and look, I know that Jesus wasn't, you know, he had been crucified. But none of us have ever seen Jesus physically. It requires faith to follow Christ, right? Right? And so here they are that they said, look, I'll, I'll leave that. I'll follow you, Lord. They followed him faithfully while he was there, but now he was gone. 
there's going to be times in your life where you feel like, and you probably have had this happen already, where you ask yourself, where is God? Anybody ever kind of been there in your life? You know, I don't understand why I'm here. I don't understand why this is going on in my life. And it's almost like God is so far away from you that you're wondering, where is God? And it's during those times that we need to have great faith in God instead of being faithless. So what did they do? They went back to fishing. Now, there's a lot of songs that we sing in our hymn book. And oftentimes I think to myself when we sing certain hymns, I think to myself when I'm singing that song, that what that song's about, do I really believe or live what I'm singing? For instance, one of the songs is, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And we sing that song all the time. But think about these men here. They, were, they spent three and a half years on a daily basis with the Lord, walking with Him, talking with Him, seeing His miracles, and yet the first time that He's gone from their lives, instead of them continuing to follow Him, their faith is gone, and they go back to the fishing hole. They turned back. And that's what happens in Christians' lives, is, is that when, when our faith is put to the test, instead of keeping our faith in the Lord during those times, we turn back. We quit following the Lord. And Jesus, when I think about, again, his example in our lives, listen, Jesus went all the way to Calvary. Jesus never turned back. And you think about how difficult, I mean, our, our minds, we can kind of understand what Jesus went through when he went to the cross, but the reality is we have no way of fully understanding what he did for us. But these men, they were futile in their efforts because they were faithless. But notice also, they not only were faithless, they were fruitless. Because the Bible says that they fished all night and they caught nothing. Uh, Satan tries many times uh, to get us into what I would call our comfort zone. And our comfort zone is where, you know, sometimes when we live for God uh, and our faith is put to the test, it's uncomfortable. And what happens is, is that we listen to the adversary and we step out of the will of God instead of staying in the will of God because, listen, it's much easier if I'm over here than if I'm in the will of God and my faith is being tested, right? You understand what I'm saying? And so when we think about this, in our lives, we listen many times to, you know, that there's the old proverbial pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, so to speak. Uh, if we come over here, it'll be easier. When the reality is, is that it wasn't a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow anyway. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 4, verse 6. There be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. You know what it was difficult for these guys, these fishermen to do? It was difficult for them to admit uh, their failure that they had gone away from God, that they had gotten out of the will of God, that they were no longer doing what they said they were, do, were going to do when they said, I'll follow you, Lord. See, when we decide in our lives, and I'm not saying that we're going to grab a fishing pole and go uh, to some body of water, but if I can use that analogy, when we decide in our lives that we're going to go fishing, we're going to leave God's will, when we make that decision, 
the most important consequence that is there is that when we go, when we leave the will of God, that there's a good chance that we won't leave it by ourselves, that we'll take others with us. That's exactly what happened here. It wasn't just Peter that went to the Sea of Tiberias. It was the other disciples said, we go with you. And so notice that there was the futility there, that they had, they had fished all night and caught nothing. But notice that as Jesus comes, I see secondly the feasting. Boy, isn't it interesting, they went from futile efforts to now a time of feasting. Look at verse number 6 in, in John 21. He said to them, cast the net on the right side and ye shall find. And the, the Bible says in verse 7 that uh, that disciple whom Jesus loved said, it is the Lord. In verse number 8, the other disciples came in a little ship. It says they were dragging the net with fishes. Now, in the midst of their efforts, the Bible records that to them there was a stranger that was standing over on land. They saw somebody, they heard him, uh, he, 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 he began to converse with them. He told them to cast their net on the right side and they would find fish. Uh, they thought to themselves, well, what do we have to lose? We've caught nothing where we've been fishing, so let's give it a try. But there was something about, listen to this, there was something familiar about that voice. Now, again, I don't know how dark it was. I, I don't think it was maybe complete pitch dark. I think maybe, as it says, morning, maybe the sun was coming up. Maybe there was a haze on the water. They could make out that there was somebody standing there. They could definitely hear what he was saying to them. But all of a sudden, they heard that voice. And John said, it's the Lord. And as John said that, something amazing happened because Peter then kind of began to think, well, this, this isn't no stranger. This is the Lord. And they realized who he was. I mean, even though they had gone fishing and abandoned their call, the Lord still reaches out to them. He still calls out to them. And I love the thought here is, is that even when we step out of God's will, he never abandons us. Now, I don't think there's ever justification to step out of God's will. But I love the fact here that he sought them out. And not only did he seek them out, he provided for them. He met their needs. I mean, they, they didn't have any meat. Jesus was inviting them into his presence. He was inviting them back into fellowship with him. Like John, I wonder sometimes... Do we recognize the Lord's voice when he speaks to us? The Bible talks about this still small voice. I mean, I've never heard the audible voice of God. But I will tell you, there's been many times in my life that the Lord has spoken to me about something. And when the Lord speaks to us, we have one course of action, and that is that we are to listen and obey whatever he's saying to us. And this is what we see here is Jesus said when he was on the earth, before he was crucified, look at John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. What great instructions for our lives. When we hear his voice, well, how do we hear the voice of the Lord? We get into his word. God speaks to us through his word. It's his word that he uses. And so Peter was so excited 
that, I mean, again, this short distance that the boat was from the, from the land, Peter decides, listen, I'm not going to wait for them to row. And so he jumps in and he swims to the Lord. Now look at the first thing I see is when he gets there, we see the food that's mentioned here in verse number 11. And the Bible says, Simon Peter went up and he drew the net to land full of great fishes and 150 and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. He provided fish and bread to sustain them. Look, Jesus always knows what you and I have need of. I can tell you this, you came to God's house this morning and there's probably a need in every one of your lives today. And without any of you telling anyone what that need is, can I tell you there is someone that does know what your need is today? And the Lord is not only, he not only knows what your need is, but he's able to meet that need. He's able to sustain you. Look at the Bible says in Matthew 6 and verse 31, therefore take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I know you know the verse, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, right? God will supply. God's going to meet your needs, whatever it is. Look, I, I, when I think about how Jesus is there on the shore and he invites them to come into fellowship with him, and he, he looks, look, he, we sing that song. Here's another one of our songs from our hymn book. Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table. Anybody know the rest of it? All the time. He that fed the multitudes turned the water into wine. To the hungry calleth now, come and dine. And that's what he was doing. He was inviting them. Look, can I tell you that in your life today, as you come to God's house, God's saying, look, I invite you to come into my presence. I invite you to, look, you say, well, where, where's the bread? Where's the fish? I'll tell you where the bread is. It's right there. The word of God. God's given us something that we can eat his word, that it will taste like honey to our lives, that it will refresh us. And that's exactly what he did was he refreshed them. He met their needs according to his riches. And I see the food, but then I see letter B, the fellowship, because the Bible says in verse 15, look at it. And these are the verses we read a lot of times, but look at these verses. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, isn't it interesting? These guys must have been good Baptists because before he started to talk to them about serious things, they ate, right? You know, Brother Kenny said to me, he's, uh, I, I was going to visit my dad and he says, now, Pastor, he says, we're going to have the Thanksgiving meal here on Thursday. And he said, uh, now, uh, how do you want me to do this? He says, do you want me to, do, do you want us to eat and then maybe have a little time of thank, thanking the Lord? And I said, well, Brother Kenny, if I know our folks, they're just like any other good Baptist. If you, if you spend too long with all that food sitting there, you're, I said, the natives are going to get restless. Yeah. 
I said, you better just keep it short, let them eat, and then maybe do something after you're done. And uh, so some of you were here, you're probably saying, Pastor, thank you for giving Brother Kenny that advice. But, but, but here's the thing is, is that they ate, and the Bible says when they had dined, look at it, verse 15, look what Jesus says, and notice he said it to Simon Peter. That's who we're studying. And here's what he says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time. Now, listen, anytime somebody brings something up three times, you know that it's for, there's a real reason why he's bringing this up. And the third time, he says the exact same thing. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Well, he got that right. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, now he's getting prophetic with Peter. He says, when you're going to be an old man, he says, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he should die, he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. I guess Peter a little bitty look ahead about what's going to happen in the days ahead. But look, they had their stomachs filled. But what was Jesus doing now? He was moving to where he was going to warm their hearts. He was talking to them about the real reason why they were there. Jesus served them and he ate with them. He gave them a great example of what it was like to serve others, which is exactly what you and I should spend our lives do, doing is serving others the way Jesus served. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And of course, especially this time of year, Thanksgiving, the Bible says in Psalm 107, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good. For his, here's the passage, his mercy endureth for how long? Yeah, look at even when we go fishing, even when we step out of his will, even whenever we fall and disobey, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. What is he trying to help Peter and by the way, Peter in the presence of the other disciples, he's trying to get them to see that close fellowship has always been God's intention. If you went all the way back to the Garden of Eden, before Adam and Eve ruined it, before Adam and Eve made us to have to wear clothing, and it's Adam and Eve's fault, right? But think about this. What did God want to do? What did he desire to do? to come down into the garden and to walk with man in the garden. You know what that's called? Fellowship. It's always been, and it still is, God's intention to fellowship with you and I every day of our lives. 
You know what Peter was trying to get, or Jesus was trying to get Peter and the other disciples to understand? Yes, I have been crucified, and I am about to ascend to be with my Father. But the same fellowship that you had with me when I was physically here on this earth, you can continue to have that fellowship with me. It'd just be a little bit different than it's been in the past. And that's what he wants us to understand, that he'll sustain us and that we can come into his presence daily. And so their futility went to a time of feasting. But look at this third part, and I love this. This is the restoration part. I see number three this morning, the forgiveness, because Jesus fed them and then he forgave them. Aren't you glad that the Lord is willing to forgive us? I mean, I love that that he was willing to forgive not only Peter, but all of us. He allows us to re-enter into the life that we have with him, to re-involve us in his life and in his ministry. Even though Peter had deserted his call to go back to fishing, Jesus recommissions him. And I see Peter's confession. We just read it where he asked Peter three times, do you love me more than these? Now there's been discussion over the years, what is the these? Now, to me, according to the passage, it can only be probably one of two things. One is, it would be those other disciples. Do you love me more than spending time with these other people? Or the other one would be, do you love me more than all these fish? Now, maybe it was that, do you love me more than your own desires? In other words, am I first place in your life? Before all these, because remember he says, and all these things <laughs> will be added unto you. See, we, we worry about the things, but what we need to do is worry about our relationship with the Lord. Is he first in our lives? Do we love him more than anything else? You study this passage, here's what you find is just, you know, in our lives, if I, if I say to my wife, my beautiful wife over here, if I say to her, I love you in English and in our language, there's only one way that I can say that. I can say, I love you. Now, if I say it like that, some of you are like, yeah, he didn't really mean that. But if I say something like this, I love you. The only thing I did in our language was just change the fluctuation. I could say something like this, I love you. <laughs> See? And some of you reacted to that one. But in the Bible, there's actually two words that God uses for love. One of them is phileo, which is actually where we get our English word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's what he was saying. Peter, do you love me more than your brothers? Now listen, I, I have many brothers in Christ and I love every one of you, but can I tell you, I don't love any of you more than I love Jesus. But then he put his finger on it. He says, Peter, he says, listen, beyond a phileo friendship kind of love, he says, do you agape love me? That's a God type love. That's an unconditional love. That's more than these kind of love. He says, I need to be number one in your life. It's easy to, to have a casual friendship kind of love but an agape love, a God-type love, it's going to cost us something. And for the Lord, it cost him everything. Look what the Bible says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Can anybody tell me how did Jesus demonstrate his love for us? Died for us, right? There's no greater love than a 
person would be willing to lay their life down for a friend. And, and Jesus says, look, that's the kind of love, that's the type of love. How about this? God so loved the world. That's not a phileo love. That's an agape love, John 3, 16. God so loved. How about this one? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. That's not a phileo love. That's an agape love. He says, I want you to love me. Jesus loved his own in this world unto the end. That's not a phileo love. That's an agape love. He loved them to the end. I see Peter's confession, but here's the best part. Even though they had gone fishing, I see Jesus's commission. I see the confession of Peter, but then Jesus commissions him once again, and he issues a couple clear demands, uh, commands to Peter here and the other disciples. He says to them, feed my lambs or feed my sheep. What is he talking about? He's talking about <coughs> teaching others. He's talking about discipling others. You know what the, the responsibility of the church is? Jesus instituted the church, and he says, I want you to go into all the world with the gospel. He says, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And that's what we need to do is we need to be teaching others about Jesus. We need to be discipling others about Jesus. That's called the great commission. But many times in many churches and Christians' lives, it's not a commission, it's an omission. We're not doing it. We need to make sure that we're telling others. When he uses the word lambs here, a lot of times people think that he was making reference, and I do think it's a biblical fact that the word lambs could refer to children. Jesus said in Matthew 19, Then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked him, but Jesus said, Suffer little children, and forbid them not, to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. So we can clearly make the biblical equation that lambs is dealing with children, but I also want you to think about this, that lambs could have been referring to those who are new believers in the faith, people who had been reached with the gospel. Listen, if it had not been for Barnabas, remember the guy in the Bible, Barnabas, the son of consolation? If there would have not been a Barnabas, that was commissioned by the Lord to feed his lambs, there would have never been an Apostle Paul. But because Barnabas taught and he discipled the Apostle Paul, we now have the Apostle Paul. It, it, listen, Barnabas, it, he also was an individual that took up his nephew, John Mark, and he discipled, he taught this young man that, that walked away from the ministry for a short period of time, but he went and, and he began to, to, to work with John Mark and help him to understand the importance. He was determined to feed John Mark, to strengthen him. Look, the only way to have sheep in the future is to take care of them now. Let me say that again. The only way that there's going to be a flock, the church, is that we need it. There are churches across America, just like ours, that used to have Sunday school, that used to have a teaching aspect of their church, but they've done away with it. Folks, when we cease to teach the Word of God, we are ceasing from the commission that God has given to us because we have a responsibility, not just here at church, 
but even in our own individual lives, uh, I, I get encouraged. Many of our church members will say, Pastor, I had a Bible study with so-and-so. We're at work. We were sitting around at lunchtime talking about the Bible or whatever. That, that is teaching people. That's discipling people about the Lord. And Jesus was saying, look, don't just tell me that you love me. He was saying, show me that you love me. And the Bible says here in 1 John 2, 28, look at this. My little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, you may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in what? In truth. They walk in truth. Christ knew that Peter would follow and he would follow closely if there was no distractions in his life. So what does he tell Peter to do? Here's the commands. He says, feed my sheep or feed my lambs. And the second one was follow me. That's the same thing he wants us to do. He wants us to teach others, to disciple others, and then he wants us to follow him. And that's, that's the clear commands. See, repentance is a hard lesson to learn. It, it was one that Peter and those disciples, because they loved fishing, but they had to learn this lesson over and over again. They had to deal with their failures and be maybe even humbled by what they had done. But listen, we will most likely, just like them, we might not go to the fishing hole, but we're going to face some of the very same temptations and trials that Peter faced. And we need to remember that if we step out of God's will, that we, we have a God who loves us that will restore us back into fellowship with him. Aren't you glad for God's restoration in our lives? It's happened in my life so many times, and I hope that you take that lesson with you every, every day of your lives, all right? Well, thank you for being in Sunday school this morning. We'll get started here in about 10, 15 minutes with our service. Lord bless you.